Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys and gals into the live Q&A of yours truly. I hope you guys are doing exceptional well. I know it's been a long time since I did a live, but um, but I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be here to serve you all, and I hope you all have been doing exceptionally well. If this is your first time watching my video, I want to say welcome. My name is Josh Wesley, also known as Coach Josh, and it's my goal to help you make sense of your life. So if you're looking around, you're like, man, what's going on with my life? And you need someone to kind of help guide you um, through the help of the Holy Spirit. This is who I am. If you've been watching me for a long time, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of my online community here on YouTube. I want to say thank you all so much for your support. Those who give, those who send comments, those who've been supporting through the books, through the resources, I want to say thank you. Hope you all have been doing exceptionally well. Um, but I'm going to get right into this live q and I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to come into the live feed. What's up from Australia? What's going? Good evening. Hey, hey, I'm still at work. Hey, I understand. Get that money. Do what you got to do. Um, what else I got? Let me give y'all guys and gals an opportunity to come into the live feed. If you're watching this, you're like, man, what is going on? It's long videos, 30, 40 minutes long. Don't worry. The timestamps are below to all the questions that I'm going to answer today. All right, David says, hey, coach, how do you maintain consistency in faith? Um, good question. First, you have to understand that faith is a muscle. Uh, faith is, is a mindset. Um, the Bible says, walk by faith and not by sight. That faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible says, if any man wants to please God, um, um, uh, well, I forgot the scripture. I'm kind of mixing things up, but follow me as I go through. When you understand that faith is a muscle, you understand that you have to put in the work. You have to trust. You have to um, become aware. And consistency boils down to clarity. The clearer you are, the more consistent you will be. The clearer the picture is, the clearer the purpose is, the clearer it is to stay focused, the more disciplined you'll become. Now, when it comes to faith, particularly to my life, I realize the best way to build your faith is to analyze or observe God's faithful track record. God has been exceptionally faithful to you and to myself. The only problem is we track the big things and not the small things. Sometimes the bigger blessings are the ones that are the smallest. It's the day, it's, the, it's looking at God waking you up every morning, uh, uh, being aware and acknowledge God that God has directed your steps, that you are alive, that God has maneuvered your life in a safe manner, that even though you may have gone through valleys, even though you may have gone through tough times, the fact that you can observe the small things that God has been faithful to, it inspires you to build your faith in. Faith is trust. Us. Faith is 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 like uh, it's like water. It floods. It, it it flows. It flows to wherever you feel your your value comes from. So right now, I have faith in this chair. See, I, I know this chair because I know it, it, it's track record. This chair has been holding me up in this home many nights, many days, many times. And so I have faith in it because of my observation of his ability. And so the more you observe God and, be, and the more you're able to uh, uh, become aware of just how faithful he is, the more you will rest in him, the more you will sit in him and say, you know what, God, I trust you. And I'm going to be consistent and going with the flow. The good thing about faith that I'm realizing at this stage of my maturity with God is that I trust God so much that I just go with the flow, that my flow is my acknowledgement, that my disposition is my acknowledgement, <clears throat> Excuse me. meaning that because I know he's faithful, because I know he's good, and because I know he's on my side and, and, is, and is invested in my life, I flow with the spirit of God. And that's how your faith builds. Let me go up to your question just to make sure I answer the layers. Hey, coach, how do you maintain consistency in faith? Maintaining builds down to, to, to understanding that 
that faith is a must, like I said before. And how you maintain it is like the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have before before you can really gain faith from the word of God, you got to make sure you already are aware of the validity of the word of God. It's hard to have faith in something that your mind doesn't see valid. So when you know that the word of God is valid, that God is true, that his word is solid, that is infallible, then you will trust what the word says. Because if you don't have faith in the word of God, the word won't work on you. If you don't work the word, the word won't work on you. What I mean by that is, it's working it. Working it means I trust it. I trust that, that this thing is going to be the spiritual nu nutrients, the spiritual food for my sustainment. So I build myself up in, 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 in hearing the word of God, embracing the word of God, doing the word of God. Because one thing I noticed, my friend, is that the more I do the word, the more I see the fruits of the word. And the more I see the fruits of the word, the more faithful I am to the word. See, the word works, but you got to make sure that your mind is willing to work the word and having faith in God. And then your faith will build. Faith builds when you are completely aware of the big things God does. Yes, but the small things God does and seeing validity in the word of God, trust in the word of God, engaging and doing what the word of God says, and then begin to eat the fruit of the word manifested in your life. And then you will see, you will be even more motivated to maintain, but it all boils down to simply getting a sheet of paper and writing down how faithful God has been to you. When you write down how faithful he has been in the little things, in the detailed things, then you will begin to see yourself staying more consistent because when you see results, you stay committed. And when you see the results of the word in your life, you stay committed. That's why the, the devil doesn't want you to get into the word. He doesn't want you to dive deep in the word because when you begin to see the fruit of the word working in your life, you'll stay with it. That's that's what I do with my bone broth, with my health stuff, with my multivitamins, with <clears throat> with my magnesium, with my with all of my supplements. When I begin to see that I'm actually uh stronger and quicker and and more able, I stay committed to it. When I begin to realize that this food is slowing me down, I let it go. And that's what happens and that's how you build your faith real quickly. Rose Scout says, hey, coach, how do I determine my passion versus my calling? Can I do both? Your good question. Your passion in its purest sense is, is moved towards your calling. The unfortunate thing, though, is that many of our passions have been perverted. Many of our passions has been pushed in the wrong direction. And so what happens with most people is their passion lets them know who they are. Their passion makes them aware of their purpose, but their passion is answering the call of someone else. See, the world system is calling. There's there's multiple people trying to get a hold of you. There's multiple influences trying to get a hold of you. But it's your responsibility to recognize who did, who who who's called to answer. And what I mean by that is your passion is like rivers of water that it flows uh, based upon the pool and whatever you put in will determine what pulls you what i mean by that is is that if you put a lot of negative things in you if you put a lot of perverted things in you, if you put a lot of carnal things in you then the carnalities the perversions and the lustful things of the world will be the things that pull you but if you continue to put the things of god inside of you then your passions becomes pure then your passions become become more potent and then, then you 
you will be more passionate with the right perspective. See, passion without the right perspective will leave you uh, leave your calling unfulfilled. You got to have the right perspective for your passion because your passion with the wrong perspective will flood and, and fulfill the wrong purposes. But when you recognize the person of God and you understand the person that you need to be to make sure that you are purposeful in your purpose, then you will be mindful of it every day, making sure that you have the right perspective, the right posture. Now, let's break down some of these P's. Position. Your position is the greatest, uh, 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 it's the most foundational piece to life, meaning that when you know your per- when you know your position as a son or daughter in God, you now have value. You now recognize your already God-given dignity from the divine, right? And when you recognize your dignity and who you are as a son or daughter in God, then you begin to have the right posture. Your posture is not slumped over. Your posture is not a defeated posture. It's a, it's a warring posture. Now, once you know, once you recognize your position in God and your posture is, is correct, then you will pursue the right person. My wife is calling. Give me one second. Got to always answer the call when the wife calls. Hello? Yeah. Y'all just, I'm in the middle of a live. No, but you, but, but listen, you come first. You come first. You all right? Okay. I see a little bit. I love you too. All right, bye. Fellas, always answer the call when your wife calls. Simple as that. But when you know your position as a son or daughter in God and you develop the right posture, you're not pushy, you're not pressed, you just, you at peace. When you at peace, then you begin to flow. You begin to recognize the, the 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 pace of your passion. And that's where I'm at in my life right now, that the more I begin to realize who I am in God, the more clear his voice is to me and a stranger I will not follow. And when I recognize his voice, I recognize his flow. See, when you understand the, see the voice of God, not necessarily an audible thing. It's it's a flowing thing that that you just feel the pull. You feel the, the push. You feel the the draw. And then when you get in that kind of rhythm of God, your passions will become pure, but it all boils down to what you put inside of you. If you put negative things inside of you, negative perspectives, negative, uh, uh, a defeated posture, then, 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 then you're going to be confusing the two. But to answer your question specifically, your calling, whoever you, whoever you consider your soul source will determine where you're pulled. If Christ is who he is to you and he's set before you, you will be able to navigate any type of distractions in life and you will become even more effective. Hope that helped. But your calling and passion are the same thing, but do not allow your passion to be perverted by the cares of this world, by the pools of this world, but purify your life, purify your environment so that your passions can be pure. And you do that by recognizing your position in God and understand that through that, you have the peace to be postured in a way that life is about flowing with him than flowing beyond him. Hope to help. Rodeo Jordan, what's going on? Hall as well. Thank you so much. Jennifer Gilman, what's going on? Enoch says, coach, how do you deal with accepting if God won't bless you with physical healing? Great question. Well, the word of God is very clear that God's a healer and that God uh, wants us to be whole. He wants us to be whole so that we can hold different positions in, in his kingdom, right? And so when you understand who he is as a loving, generous God, then you understand first off that God is a healer, but God is the healer in the way that you think. And what I mean by that is if God was healer, 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 then why would he give you an immune system? Now, 
the, the healing to a degree is based is based upon our stewardship over our immune system. I always have this quote: "Healing happens when habits change." Why would God heal you of diabetes if He knows you're going to get go right back into the sugar? You know what I'm saying? Why would God heal you of hypertension if he knows for a fact that you're going to go right back to the fried chicken? You're going to get the eight piece with the four biscuits, the fries and, and the family size. You see what I'm saying? Why would God heal you if he knows that you're going to practice the same habits that's going to affect that healing? So when you look at it based upon uh, 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 God, who he is, that's cool. God is a healer. God is who he says he is. When you get that clear in your mind, then you'll know that it has nothing to do with God. It boils down to my stewardship over my health. And so when you look at your life and you begin to recognize, yo, man, I'm eating crazy out here, man. I'm drinking the wrong stuff. I'm 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 intaking too much sugar. I'm 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 that's why you gotta always examine the ingredients of your food, making sure that you endeavor to eat more organic or organic foods because listen, your health care is based upon you. Don't depend on the government for your health care. You're responsible foremost for your health care and making sure that you're healthy, that you're whole, that you're eating right. I rather invest more money in eating organically and more whole than, than being in a hospital paying for hospital bills. And so the real question or the real angle I want you to focus on is not accepting whether or not God wants to heal you or not, but to realize God is good, that everything that comes from the Father, uh, everything good comes from the Father of lights, that he's the one that says, if you lack wisdom, anything, he'll give it to you, that he's a healer, that by his stripes you were healed when you begin to understand that he cares about your health because why would god let you be sick god's not a god that wants you to be sick because sickly people can't do anything sufficient for the kingdom he needs whole people and so when you under when you renew your mind on who god is in regards to healing then you will begin to say okay it's not god possibly it's me if it's not god it's definitely me right and when i looked at my own life Man, listen, I was 310 pounds, man. I was anointed. I was called by God, but God ain't, wasn't going to heal me if he knows that I was going to eat uh, jack-in-the-box all the time, bojangles all the time, uh, uh, eating late at night. He's not going to do that. And when I began to change my habits, my body took care of itself. So, Coach, how do you deal with accepting if God won't bless you with physical healing? He wants to bless you with physical healing, but you got to want it yourself. You got to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to put the work in. I'm going to put that drink down. I'm going to put that food down. Most of the time, our physical illness boils, boils down to an emotional wound. Most of us, the reason why we're physically ill is because we have been emotionally wounded. When you emotionally wounded, you reach out to be to emotionally eat, to emotionally drink, to emotionally whatever. And when you have not dealt with that emotional wound, you you're gonna you're gonna wrap your hands around a bunch of things that's gonna destroy. You. That's why the devil cares less about your body. He doesn't attack your body body to body. He attacks your uh, he attacks your health with your mind and your emotions. And if your mind and emotions are not healthy, your body won't be healthy. So the goal is to look at the root reason on why you're not well. It could be an emotional thing. It could be a traumatic experience that you may have had. It could be a lot of different things, but you know what it is. And I think once you begin to change your habits, you will begin to see your health change. Hope that helps. And I'm a living witness for it. Let's keep going. Stephanie says, hey, coach, good evening. Good evening to you, too. Where am I? Coach over here sweating. Good evening. How can you tell when God removes a person versus the devil's interference? Um, 
you know if God removes someone or something out of your life based upon you recognizing if that person or thing was an idol. God always removes idols. The devil always uh, releases idols into your life. What do you mean? What I mean by that is God removes any and everything that is in his seat. He removes anyone or anything that has the number one spot in your heart. Unfortunately, many of us, we want these individuals or people to stay there uh, because we, we feel that those individuals or people or things or, or pursuits determine our value. And so you know is God removing a thing when you know for a fact that God is removing that thing to remove things out of you, that God is removing that person because you have an idolatry problem. Now, interference is it, the devil can interfere with something good. But but you have to also recognize that anything that's good for you, anything that's God sent for you, who God put together, let no man put a son in who God put when God put something together, nothing can interfere because those two people who are being put together recognize what the word of God says that they wrestle not against flesh and blood. So you have to ask yourself this question. One, number two, was this person an idol in your heart? Was this person too much? in your life, the way to the point to where God wasn't who he needed to be. Number two, you got to ask yourself, have we been wrestling with each other? See, I know my wife is God sent. Therefore, I have to be responsible in recognizing what the word of God says about wrestling. So I don't wrestle with her. I can easily cause separation between us, between us, between us if I get into sin or I get into a wrestling match with her. So you know it's a devil interfering with something good is when you're wrestling against flesh and blood, and you know that God has already confirmed that person as a certified person in your life, period. So my wife, I already know she's a certified sent individual in my life. Therefore, I know when the devil is trying to creep in to bring separation. But if you're unsure of whether or not this is a confirmed thing by God, allow it to remove itself. Because the beautiful thing about God is, is how he confirms. Because if it's meant for you, it will come back to you. Some The best trust is, the best thing you can do is let it go. And in letting it go, you will see the answer. But the answer is in your heart. If you idolize that person, if that person was more than you than God, then God definitely removed that person out of your life. But if it's a certified person sent by God for you, you know that show, that's who who's supposed to be in your life, family, friend, or or fiance. And you see what I'm saying? Then, 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 then you got to say, okay, what am I contributing to this wrestling match? What demonic interference is involved? That boils down to clarity and confirmation from Christ, who has said that this person is certified, sent to you by me. So fight the good fight against the demonic interference. But like I said, if you're completely unclear of whether or not that person is for you or if that person is supposed to be in your life, let them leave. Because if you know that person's an idol, it's going to hurt. And the fact that you asked that question, you human. So it's going to hurt when anybody is removed, but you got to trust God because God knows who is best for you. Because I can tell you all the people that God removed out of my life in the moment it may have stung, but is it, but I'm, I'm screaming songs of joy, knowing that those people are, are great in their lives right now, but they just wasn't meant for me in my life. And you have to recognize that some people are seasonal people. Do not make do not give people a permanent seat at the table when they wasn't meant to be at the table. Period. Hope that. Millie, what's going on? Hey, coach, how can I truly abide in Christ? Great question. The Word of God says that Christ is divine and we are the branches. When you when you look at the Word of God in its simplicity and in, in its metaphorical sense, when Christ spoke, you will begin to see just how uh, um, important. Uh, the metaphors are uh, when you recognize that you're only a branch 
right? That that many of us, we think more of ourselves than we ought to think. We think that we are the vine and we think that we're the fruit. You're, we're not that though. We're just a branch. We're, we're just a branch. And when you realize that you're just a branch, then you have to recognize what does a branch do? Now, what does a branch do? A branch is it holds the weight of it holds the weight of fruit. It holds fruit, and when you recognize that you are a branch, then you have to recognize that okay, if I'm endeavoring to hold this kind of fruit, then I have to abide in something that's going to ensure that I'm fully uh, new uh, that I fully have the supply of nutrients that I need. So when you realize that when Jesus was saying that I am the vine, my Father is the vine dresser, then you realize that the architect of this whole ordeal was the heavenly Father that initiated the Son to come into this realm to 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 be to die to death live the life that we should to impute his righteousness on us so we can be back in right standing with the father so that we can have access again that's why the veil was ripped in two so that we now can approach God boldly now when you recognize that why God had to come in flesh is because he told his boys it's expedient for me to go because if I do not go I cannot send the spirit the spirit will be as a vine in you to strengthen you as the branch so that you can bear the right fruit that would nurture people for generations. And so when you recognize the importance of abiding and recognize the importance of fruit and you recognize the importance and strength of the branch, then you will see the importance of abiding in Christ. <clears throat> and as for my life, I can only tell you that my ministry is more potent. My 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 marriage is more potent. My 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 success is more potent. My my interactions are more potent, the more I'm in the person, the more I abide, the more I just let the Holy Spirit flow in my life. So the question is, you got to ask yourself, what are the blockages that's hindering the vine, bringing the nutrients to strengthen me as the branch? Most people care too much about the fruit they bear versus being the branch that's able to bear the fruit they endeavor to bear. That's why I tell people, if you endeavor to bear a marriage, you have to be a strong branch to bear the fruit of it. And But most people are looking for fruit like cars and houses and clothes and money. No, that's not fruit. That's not fruit at all. Real fruit is what is only birthed through the nutrients that's passed through the vine, which is love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. That's what births out of you because everybody in the world is looking for that fruit. More, even though people are looking for cars and clothes and money and, and success and marriage, they're looking for those different things. Those things cannot be sustained without you bearing love, joy, peace, etc. And so when you begin to recognize who you are as the branch, then you will say, Father, I am nothing without you. Prune me so that I can bear even more fruit for the purposes that you have for me. So first you have to understand is what fruit does God want me to bear from scripture? What fruit does he want me to bear? Love, joy, peace. What will these fruits benefit? So when I bear the fruit of love, when my wife wants to eat from the fruit of my life, she gets pure love. She gets pure joy. When the kids at my school eat from my life, look and glean from my life, when joy and love and peace and gentleness and self-control is hanging from it, then they get the proper nutrients that when they bite from my life and eat from my life, they're not getting genetically modified fruit. They're getting genuine fruit. So they won't have to worry about is Coach Josh or Mr. Ezzy or is 
my husband's love perverted or is this a facade of his joy? If they, if he, if this is a fake peace, they know that when they bite from it, they bite it from Christ because I abide in him. And when you understand those in layers, then you will release your control over your life and say, I'm going to rest in you, Jesus. And I'm just going to go with the flow with you. And I'm not going to pursue the carnal things of his life. I just want to bear more fruit. So when more people eat from my life, they'll be able to recognize that they too can be a branch in the kingdom of God. So you truly abide by number one, acknowledging that you are incapable of sustaining your own life. You will, you, the best way to it, number two, to abide in Christ, you got to get into that Bible and find out what the word of God says about you. In order to abide in Christ, you got to get rid of I, you got to get rid of yourself. In order to abide in Christ, A-B-I-D, you got to be able, you got to be disciplined. You got to stay in it. It's not going to always be easy, but you got to stay disciplined. E, you got to enjoy God, period. You got to recognize that God is enough. A, you got to acknowledge that you are nothing without him. B, you got to get in that Bible and find out what the word of God says. I, you got to die. I has to die. Uh, D, you got to be disciplined. And E, you got to enjoy God. Because if you enjoy any other presence more than God, then you will not bear the fruit that you need to bear. Hope to help, my friend. Oh, man, I passed your info me as much. I got you. I got you. Hey, coach, how do you give me one second? It's humid out here, man. 90, 93% humidity. Man, I can't escape it. <clears throat> info me as much. Hey, coach, how do you really build a relationship with God? I'm so distracted, even in my prayers. My thoughts are all over the place. I'm actually fasting for this currently. It's the first time I've ever been so distracted. I understand. The closer you get to destiny, the bigger the distractions become. The closer you get to the divine, number one, that's when the first distractions come. But when you get to the divine, you begin to go forward towards your destiny. That's when distractions get bigger. Um, because when you're a person of destiny, you don't entangle yourself with civilian affairs because you know who you are as a soldier. So when you begin to understand that you are in the middle of a war, that you then you recognize you as yourself as a soldier. And when you recognize yourself as a soldier, you'll begin to recognize that you're going to have to be vigilant, that you're going to have to endure hardships like a good soldier, that you're going to have to be uh, watchful and prayerful so that you don't fall into temptation and realize that distractions are just a, a, a smoke screens um, trying to keep you away from walking in faith. And so what they want you to do is walk by sight. So, hey, coach, how do you really build a relationship with God? All relationships, you got to recognize this. <clears throat> All relationships take work. You got to work it. Like, like I'm I'm in a year and a half in marriage. And the more work I put in my marriage, the more wealth I get from my marriage. Okay. <clears throat> so when you begin to work, you work in your relationship. What I mean by work, you're not working for God's love. You're not working for God's forgiveness. You're not working for God's righteousness. You're inspired to work because of it. And what I mean by that is you begin to recognize that God is you and I, us against the world. And, and, and you'll begin to recognize that, yo, I'm in the middle of a war right now. And there's, there's going to be things sent into my life to keep me. Now, the thing that you got to recognize and, and observe about yourself is to ask yourself, am I a disciplined person? You do not defeat the devil with desires. You defeat the demonic through discipline. You, a disciple is a disciplined one. A disciple is the one that follows a, 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 a set 
uh, disciplines. And when you recognize that in order to defeat distractions to overcome them, you have to be disciplined. Do you know how many honey buns I have to overlook? Do you know how many bojangles I have to pass? If I really want to be who I need to be, you got to be able to be disciplined even in the midst of the pools of distractions because your destiny has to be a greater pool. Your Who you need to be has to be a greater pool. Your why has to be greater than the what's that's in front of you. So what I want you to do right now is to write down why. First of all, write down distractions. And then I want you to write down um, um, why those distractions have value. Why are those distractions pulling you? Because when you begin to recognize the why, then you can breach, then you can cover that breach and say, you know what? Okay, this is why. It's because number one, Let's look at your question again. I'm at, uh, hey, coach, how do you really build a relationship with God? I'm so distracted, even in my prayers, my thoughts. When you find it the hardest to pray, pray your hardest. It's discipline, my friend. The answer to your question is disciplined. And you cannot defeat the devil without discipline. And so you got to intentionally do it, even if you don't feel like it. So what happens is many of us are in the filling realm all the time. No, no, no. You got to get in the faithfulness realm. Filled, feelings don't got to do with faithfulness. Feelings may, feelings flood, but you got to be faithful no matter what. And faithfulness boils down to facts. If you want your feelings to be at ease, you got to, implement faithfulness that bursts from facts. Facts of, of who you are, who you need to be, what you need to accomplish, who the father is, etc., etc. The facts of life will help you build the faithfulness despite your feelings. If you stay in your feelings, you'll never pray. Listen, there be times I don't feel like praying. Do you think I ever feel like reading my Bible all the time? No, but I, I know the I know that in order for me to be effective, and I think what bothers or messes up a lot of Christians is that many people have a small, they have small desired outcomes for their Christian life. They just want to go to heaven. That's it. They don't want to bring heaven here. Do you know how much work got to bring? How much work you got to do to bring heaven into people's lives? How much work you got to put in to to be pure? How much work you got to put in to be a walking epistle? How pure you got to be to be a living sacrifice? How 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 disciplined you got to be to bring that? And so many people just say, "Well, I just want to go to heaven." That's it. And so if you don't have no strong desired outcomes for your Christian life, then you're not going to be faithful to the word of God. <clears throat> I got to be in the word every day because I do this every day. I got, but, but people are like, well, Josh, you do YouTube, you preach. No, no, no. I got to be in the word every day to make sure that I'm a good husband, to make sure that I'm setting myself up to be a good father, to make sure that I'm setting myself up to be effective. Every ball player touches a basketball every day. No matter who you are, great people do things within their greatness every day. And so if you know that you're a soldier, soldiers use shoot their guns every day because just because you shot a good shot two years ago don't mean you're gonna shoot a good shot now. If it, whatever you whatever you put down, you'll become stale at. And so what I mean by that is when you know that you're a soldier, then you'll pick up that word of God every day because you know just in case, just in case, just in case, I got I gotta be quick because one slow pull can knock you out. But if you quick with the release and you quick with the word and you quick and you quick because you put in the work when times wasn't pressing. Man, do you know how many people ain't going to know what to do when pressing times come? When times are good, that's when you work hard. Because when 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 you are pressed, it's, it's muscle memory now. It's memory muscle now. It's muscle memory. And it boils down. I finally found my card games. Like this game right here, memory muscle. 
I created this card game called Memory Muscle. It's basically a, a fun way to memorize. Oh, a fun way to memorize scripture. It's got the scripture on the front, and it's got the some activities on the back. Scripture, but he was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds were healed. You get three points if you know how to use it. How would you use the scripture with a friend in the hospital? How would you use the scripture with a family member dealing with a drug addiction? How would you use the scripture in a 30 second message in front of inmates? Quote it and discuss it. And so, basically, I have to, you, we have to get into this word every day so that when we're tempted or pressed by the devil, we know how to respond. And these card games are available on my website. They go with this book right here, The Purpose of Freedom. They're, the book's on Amazon. The card games are on my website. But it's, it's fun ways to quote scriptures. See, that's Joshua 1.8, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And, and you got to do this every day to be sharp with the word and to be effective. So that's how you continue to build relationship with God is knowing that, number one, relationships take work. Number two, you got to work the word every day because when you see the reasons for prayer and reading every day, you will do it no matter what every day because you know that you want to be effective in the day when temptations and tests and trying times come. Hope to help. Go ahead and fast. Fasting, make sure you understand what fasting means. Fasting doesn't mean getting an answer. Fasting means getting closer to the answer because the closer you get to the answer, capital A, all your answers, little A's, will be answered. Rodeo Jordan, besides reading the word, how do we effectively spend time with God? Um, understand that he said in the word that he says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. See, I, I, I don't look at God as, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, the reverence for God is high, but I look at him as my best friend. And so when you understand um, um, that God is a friend, then you fellowship with that friend. But when you look at the word friends, it has been so diluted in culture that most people don't even know what a real friend is. The Bible says a friend sticks closer than a brother. That is the word of God, like I said before, he says, I don't call you servants because a servant doesn't know what a, what a master is doing, but a friend knows. And so how do you effectively spend time with God? It's making time for him. And what I mean by that is your greatest ability, my friend, is availability. This is what availability looks like. Number one, uh, it looks like, uh, uh, number one, I'm open. Um, I have released control over my life. That my phone on my, like, you know how when you're cleaning the house and you're talking to a friend on the phone, you put them on speakerphone? You know, you, 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 your phone is always on with him. And, and as you navigate with God, it all boils down to this discipline. It's just simply asking God, what do you have on your heart for me right now, God? Acknowledging him. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all you are. The reason why our fellowship is not dense with God and it's not grown with God and it hasn't grown is because we don't trust him. We trust our money. Whatever your, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, whatever treasure you are pursuing, that's where your trust is in. So when you trust the Lord, keyword Lord, that he's the one supreme, able to effectively care for you. He's the Lord of your life. And, and, and your, your, no matter what you do, it doesn't change who he is. When you recognize and respond to his lordship, you will begin to see his leading. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You have to ask yourself, what part of your heart is still not trusting him? Because whatever, whatever area of your heart you're not trusting in, you will not acknowledge him in that way. I simply just acknowledge God's presence. When I wake up, God, I recognize that you're with me. 
Because what the word of God says, because of your track record with me, God, I acknowledge that you are here with me every step of the way. So I, I'm going in your flow, God. And like today, when I went to the gym, God knew I wanted to get buckets. God knew. And I just got up from my nap. I put on my workout clothes. I flowed with God. I went into the weight room and I was about to go lift, but I felt God said, go to the gym. And this, I went to this, I went to um, this old, the, the this YMCA closer to where I'm at. And, and I flowed into the gym. I walked into the gym and this guy daps me. I ain't seen him in five years. I used to get buckets with him all the, buckets with him all the time. I dapped him up and the game just ended. And the guy said, I want you to play on my team. I simply acknowledge God, God, I want to hoop today, but I don't know if they're hooping at the gym today. And I took my nap, woke up, and God made a way for me to get buckets today. And coach got buckets. I got the one, two games, lost nothing. But but God made a way because I practiced in acknowledging him that he's good, that he's my father, he cares for me. So the best way to walk in that is to change your theology, your perspective of his attributes, who he is, that he's a good, good father, that he cares for. He care, God cares so much for me that he that he made a way for me to get buckets, y'all. That's little. But I'm a I'm such a son with him. God, I'm really trying to get buckets today. Who can I get these buckets to? And God made a way. And it was just by God, I know you'll take care of that. And I went to go lift, went right into the gym. The game just, I mean, it was clockwork. And then I was on a team getting buckets. And when you recognize that he's good and he cares about even the little things, then you will be, you'll be, you you'll embrace who you are as his son. You embrace who you are as his daughter. And, and you will, you will, you, Time with God, time is just the theory, man. You will get so lost with God because people think spending time with God means I have to carve out this time, which is true. But spending time with God is just as simple as I'm available to you all throughout the day. And when I'm in my car, man, I just be talking to God, venting, processing, um, um, talking crazy, just spitting game with God, just talking. And, and when you do that, you'll begin to see just how great of a listener he is. And you'll begin to see his answers in your life. God, all I said in the car today, I know I'm repeating myself. All I said to talk in God in the car today, I want to play ball today. And I don't feel like going downtown to play ball. And God made a way for me to get buckets. And he woke me out of my nap. I, 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 it flows, man. That's all I can say. It flows if you're willing to flow with him. Christina says, how do you find out the reason you are planted at a certain place and what to do at that place? Great question. God told me to stay longer at my job when I was going to leave it. I'm trying to find out what my purpose is there. Great question, Chris, Christina. Um, I can only give you an example of my life. I worked at the Dowd YMCA in Charlotte for like four years. And um, um, I felt a passion to create programming um, for the kids in the Y. I, I, I've been at the Y. I worked at the, uh, the Siski, now Brace Y. I worked there for five years. So I've been, I've been, well, yeah, I've been with the Y for seven to eight years total. And um, <clears throat> when I was at Dow Y, I was like, man, God, I just, I want something bigger. I, I want a better purpose, man. And it was nothing wrong, but I was in membership. I was just selling memberships. And, and I wasn't as good at my job in the paper sense, but I was great in the people sense. And I was like, God, I hate doing paperwork. I hate doing this, but but I love the people. And I, and I was like, God, when are we going to get these programs to the, to the, I had adult programming and youth programming. And, 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 but God said, continue to, to blossom there. 
the CEO of the Charlotte YMCA's, I wish I had the award in here. Um, even though I wasn't great at the paperwork, you know, all that kind of stuff. And even though I was doing my best, I needed help. I needed with that stuff because I was so with the people that, that, uh, that I would, I would, I had great people skills. I was engaged with the people, but I, I'm not a sales guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not a uh, go going about your go work out. I got to go get this person and go get that person. I was just like, man, yo, what's your story? You okay? You all right. And to this day, no matter what, why I go to, people recognize me because they know that got that gouging. My last day at the Dow YMCA, people hated that I was going. People, people tell me now that people still asking about me. And I ain't worked at that job for four years. But what I'm trying to say is that no matter how tough the schedule was, no matter how bad I didn't really like a part of the job, I kept the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is the most attractive thing in this realm of life. Nobody can, nobody can um, monetize it, its effectiveness. Nobody can really measure its, its weight because, because it's, it's so pure, it's so attractive that people are drawn to you. So when you continue to have the joy of the Lord, even in a place that you don't want to be in, then, then for me, look what happened for me. This lady who was an assistant principal at the school that I work at now, came in every Tuesday and Wednesday, every Tuesday and Wednesday. And I always greeted her. I always asked her how her family was. I, I got to know her story because I signed her up for the membership. And then one day she comes into the YMCA and she says, you know what? There's something about you. I'm an assistant principal at this elementary school and we need a BMT, a behavior modification technician. We need someone to deal with the behaviors in our school. And you just got, you just got a good spirit. She's like, are you looking to get a job? I said, man, yeah, I'm interested in what that pay is, though. You see what I'm saying? And it was crazy how <clears throat> when I got that opportunity, Christina, another school came at the same time. That's what you got to be careful. Sometimes when you blossom in a place long enough, when the right thing comes, another thing comes. And sometimes we think it's the devil. Sometimes God sends it to as a test. We think that, oh, I got this opportunity from God. Here come the devil. Sometimes it's God bringing both opportunities to test your trust in him. The assistant principal came to me and she was like, I got a job, but it's part-time. Now, the job I had at the YMSA was full-time. And she was like, I only got a part-time position, 37, 30-something hours. But the I think the kids will love you. This other principal comes in like, I got a job full-time, full benefits, everything. We want you now. God said, do not go to that job asking for full-time. Go here. I went there. I did my dues for a year, got full-time. Got I have gotten raises every year, and we've mentored 120 students. What I'm trying to say is, is that no matter where God has you, you got to stay there for a period because he's setting things up. If I would have just jumped, shipped, and quit, I would have been at a job out of his will. But because I blossomed, because I trusted that he planted me there, the opportunities came. The CEO of all the wives in Charlotte gave me one of the greatest awards in, y in, in the YMCA in Charlotte. Then all of a sudden, because I blossomed in a place that I didn't want to be, the assistant principal recognized the joy of the Lord that was on my life and, and pulled me into the school. And do you know how long she was at the school after I was hired? After I was hired, she got another job in New York one month after my hire. God I said, oh, the whole purpose of her being in Charlotte could have been one to find her husband, probably two to get build a career. But one of her purposes of being in Charlotte was to give me that job. So 
Sometimes you're at that place because God is setting things up and you and that place is within the proximity for the right person to pass you by with the opportunity. And so never get restless in a place that God has planted you. And most people want to quit the job and quit the church and quit a marriage. But God's like, wait here a little while longer because I'm setting things up. God uses people to set you up. So let God set up you and settle you in the right place to set you up with the right people that will set you in another place that God wants you to be. So how do you find out the reason you are planted? Time reveals it. The reason why God doesn't always tell you why the reason for your season, because you'll commit treason for that season. If you knew the reason for the reason, you you no one even say treason, but but you would just get in the way. Sometimes you just got to say, God, I'm going to start my day with you. Your joy is going to be, your joy is the only strength I have. And when I recognize the joy of the Lord is my strength, then I put that joy on because that joy is attractive. That joy pulls the right opportunities towards you because people want that in their workplace. People want that type of attitude. Christians get so caught up on being a Christian, they forget about being Christ-like. They get so caught up on the title of being Christian, but they're not being Christ-like. It is being Christ-like. Do you know how many people at my job didn't know I was a preacher for years, me working at the Y, for years working at the CMS, that most people don't even know I wrote books, that most people don't even know I got a YouTube channel, my coworkers, kids, they find you, they'll type your name, they'll find you. But there's teachers today, we'll start, we start our mentoring program next Wednesday. If you want to help support that, go to our website, imunplugged.com. And I passed out permission slips to the kids and I said my spill and a teacher looked at me and she's like, you wrote six books? You got 55,000 subscribers on YouTube? Because I let my light shine. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't outshine my light with my words. I just let my light naturally shine. And then opportunities come your way. God told me to stay longer at my job when I was going to leave. Trust me, the setup is greater than, than, than whatever you wanted to do. Trust God. The purpose, my purpose at the YMCA is clearer now than it's ever been. And sometimes when you're in the midst of the cloud, when you're in the midst of the chaos, when you're in the midst of whatever, you got to trust the peace of God in the midst of that, knowing that he has placed you there for a reason. Hope that Shana says, hello, what does it truly mean when we are told to be still and wait on the Lord? Great question. Um, Stand to see the salvation. Um... What does that mean? It means this, that you are limited, that there is a certain brink that all humans, that no human can pass. And that all you can do is do what you're supposed to do. All you can do to do it is to do what you can do and let God do the rest. Now, being still means this. Stillness boils down to recognizing what is causing your soul to be restless. Um, the, the reason why many of us are restless is due to idolatry. The reason why we're restless is due to cares. Cares, worry, anxiety all boils down to an idol that has failed you or an idol that is failing you or an idol that is about to fail you. 
And when you begin to recognize where worry and cares and stress comes, then then you will deal with that root issue. Most of our anxiety and cares flood from the cracks of our foundation. When our foundation is on anything other than God, then when storms come, our house feels shaky and we don't know how to be still. The disciples was in the boat with the one that told him that was sleep in the boat. And or when there was two times where the disciples was restless, they were restless when Jesus was sleeping in the boat and it was restless after. Jesus spoke about the boat going meet meeting him meeting him in the boat on the other side and when they when they got so caught up in the storms and the water and the waves first recognized the one that was in the boat and the one that spoke so you have to recognize that God is in the boat with you and you got to trust what he has spoken when you understand that you will be still in life right now I, I, see I went through a bunch of anxiety attacks I went I mean I was in fetal positions I was shaky now after I done seen the salvation of the Lord, I'm still because I know God is good. I know God got my back. So what does it mean to be still and wait? It says that I'm going to stand on the promises of God. I'm going to stand on the name of God. And I'm going to be settled in the midst of the storm. I'm going to be settled in the midst of the situation. And y'all all going to see sal- salvation come through for me. There's a lot of people that wish my failure. There's a lot, nah, I won't say a lot. There's people who don't don't necessarily like what I do, don't like me, or people that think differently about me, or or people that don't understand me, or 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 people that's pecu- are looking peculiarly into my life, and and let people look because when you are settled, even in the midst of onlookers or people that's looking on in your life. God will come through. So that's what it means. It means being settled, being still, trusting that God is going to come through and wait on the Lord. Sometimes God has you go before him like he did the disciples in the boat. He says, go, I'll meet you on the other side. Sometimes God does that. Go on, go on, keep going in my, going to floor. I'll meet you there. Because when you get to the point where you are at the, at the Red Sea in the middle of a storm, you have no choice but to wait on the Lord. Those who trust God wait on him because they know he's legit. And he always comes on time. That's what that means. My two cents, I got time for two more. I got to go. My two cents says, I've been working with a lady doing volunteer work for the homeless who really seemed to be a good, uh, a God-fearing, seems to be a God-fearing woman, but she's now drawing people into what I believe is a Ponzi scheme. And I caught her in a lie. I love the work that I do with her, but I am unsure as to whether or not I should continue to work with her. Great question. Um, Co-workers and community are two totally different things. Um, there are certain people that you build community with and they're the coworkers. Um, I would not leave where God wants you to be based upon uh, a coworker's Ponzi scheme. Um, because those who call the name Lord haven't truly welcomed him as Lord. And, and just because people have looked God-fearing, sometimes you got to pull the pull the leaves to see the fruit. The reason why Jesus cursed the fig because they had leaves but no figs. So there's a lot of people who have leaves. They have the look of having figs, but when because sometimes you'll think there's fruit there because the leaves are big and people got great leaves. They got great clothes. They got great uh, quote unquote character. They got all these things that look the part. But if you really peel back and you really look at their life. There ain't no fruit there. And so what has been happening, she probably been giving you the, the look of Christianity. She looks like that she's in bloom, that she looks like she's in season, but she has big leaves, but no fruit. Be very careful with people who have big leaves, abundance of leaves, but don't have no fruit. Most people are not, don't do the due diligence or do not um, do their part to observe 
people's fruit. So what happens is they just see leaves. Oh, you cool. And they get close to that person, allow that person to know about their life and their family and all that kind of stuff. And then over time, you realize that person ain't who they say they is. So just like the Bereans did with, with the disciples, just because they were disciples and followers of Jesus, they was like, I don't care who y'all was walking with because y'all walked with him before. It don't mean you walking with him now. So they took what they said back to the word, back to the scriptures to make sure that what they're saying was true. That's how we got to be. So basically, if you're volunteering, then you got to ask God, God, what is my purpose here? If God placed you there, do not allow the, the fickleness of people uh, to cause you to, to flood out of a place that God wants you to be founded or fixed in. And, and so seem is a key word. She seemed to be God-fearing, but she's now drawing people in the pot. And when she's lying, you know people are they fruit. You love the work that you do with her. But you just got to know the distance, difference, difference leads to distance. If there's a, the Bible says come from among them, be separate. It doesn't mean that you leave the job. It just means come from among community and fellowship with them. Don't, don't, don't what does darkness have to do with light? We're talking about mixing and hanging out and bringing her to your house and, and, and talking about life. What I would do is I would change your, I would change the way you work with her. Now, don't change the work, change the way you work with her. And recognize the fruit. There's people at my job I know. Uh, there's people that I know that I'm like, uh, uh, good people, just not good character. Good people, decent people, but just not mature. And so now I know how to modify uh, 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 myself around those people so I don't get caught up in um, getting close to people because I got close to people that just wasn't mature enough to handle who I am. And sometimes you we give who we, we give our whole self to people who are not whole themselves. And when you give your whole self to someone who's not whole themselves, then you find yourself falling and broken. So Ask God what he wants you to do. Don't change the work. Change the way you work with her. Hope to help. What's up, Stephanie? What's going on? Hello, Harry. How you feeling? Mage, what's going on? Good evening. Boss level. That's what I'm talking about. What's up, family? Blessings on you and your wife. Thank you so much. God bless you too. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, oh, y'all talking about when I talk to my wife. Yeah, family first. That's real. Hey, listen, listen. She tell me to get off. The she told me to get off here. I'm off. And there was a time I wasn't like that. I, there was times where I was like, I'm talking before we got married. God molded me to be the man I needed to be before marriage. But there was times where I put my ministry before when we was dating and she wasn't having it. And I realized, I thought she was in resistance in my ministry, but I made my ministry too much of me that I thought she was resisting me. No, she wasn't resisting me. She was just saying, if you want me to be with you, you got to practice. You got to show me that ministry. If I, be, if I become your wife, you got to prove to me that ministry is going to be beneath me. And I thought ministry, ministry was so much a part of me that I thought she was denying me. You know, she said, I want you, but I don't want you in the ministry too. See, sometimes we make our ministry and our businesses our mistresses. And you see what I'm saying? We make them our uh, sugar daddies or our mistresses. And, and, and people love you. They want to be with you, but they don't want to be with the you and be with her too or be with him too because you made those things more important than them. So. And she said, babe, I, I need you to get off that thing because I want to talk or I want to just spend time Then I got to go. That's why you haven't seen me in a week. <laughs> you know, that's how it is. Joyce says, Josh, what do you think of angels contacting you constantly and directing you through symbols or moments where you think are perfect moments? Great question. Um, angels are messengers of, the, of, of God. They do help lead. Um, I won't get so caught up in angelic support that you idolize angelic support that you get overly consumed in angelic support or you feel your value is no good when the angels are not speaking to you, quote unquote. So what I would do is embrace 
what they're doing. Make sure you understand the difference between angelic support and demons coming in angelic light, uh, uh, angelic light to try to manipulate you or get you caught up in, uh, um, uh, what's some things called uh, zodiac signs and personality traits and get so caught up in that that you forget who you are and who God is. And so there's nothing wrong with with angels and you feeling their pull and you feeling their their help. Um, and but don't overly don't get overly consumed that you idolize the symbols or or all that kind of stuff because God is not going to send angelic help if you're going to idolize the help instead of instead of embracing or reverencing the true help who is God. Hope to help, fam. Natasha says, hey, coach, what to do when you feel like your isolation is punishment versus my protection? And yes, this is about my singleness. No problem. I got you, Natasha. Um, <clears throat> let's look at it again. What to do when you feel like your isolation is punishment? First off, isolation, isolation is not punishment. It's an opportunity. You have to change your perspective about the isolation. Um when you're isolated by God, you're isolated for a work for for a purpose. Um, sometimes when you look at it as punishment, then you might not you might not be properly managing the 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 isolation. And what I mean by that is, if if in season of isolation, in seasons of pruning, in seasons of God dealing with us. We go through different types of emotional swings. We get caught up in, uh, because when you're removed, when the idol is being removed out of your life, it's like removing a scab. Blood start coming. Pus start coming. Things start coming out. Uh, and, and what happens when God removes the covers and reveals the idolatry, you never know what's going to come out of your heart. And so the enemy is going to try to tempt you into thinking that what you're going through is punishment instead of protection. Because do you know how long it takes to make the person that God has for you? Do you know how long it takes for everything to unfold itself? So what I mean by <clears throat> that is that I don't believe God is working for us. What I mean by that, I think God has already worked for us and what ha what he has worked for us is working. So it's not like, oh, God is like, oh, shoot, that ain't going to work. I got to redo my plans. No, God is rested. God, 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 God has finished his work. And what I mean by unfolding is that God has already placed things within your life and they will unfold. And once they unfold, it has been sparked by a cause or by actions or by obedience. That's why obedience is so important because obedience leads to things being unlocked, just like in video games and stuff like that. The more you flow in certain directions, you'll find that treasure chest. You'll find things unfolding itself um, according to your purpose. And you'll be like, you know what? I see the reason for this season. But you have to be obedient in this season and develop the right perspective about this season and understand that it's not punishment. God doesn't punish. He chastens. He corrects. But he doesn't punish. People think that, oh, I'm in prison. No, you are in a place of protection because if you have the wrong mindset and you begin to mingle with other people and then you marry the wrong person because you have the wrong mindset, do you not know you'll waste more time with the wrong person than waiting for the right person? Do you know that you'll waste more time being with the wrong person, marrying the wrong person, and actually waiting for the right person. So when you look at that perspective, you be like, you know what? It feels like this is long. It feels like this season is long. But do you know how many people wish they was in your shoes? That they wasted five years in a marriage that wasn't from God? Wasted six years in a relationship with a man that says, you know what? I'm not ready yet. So this time that you're thinking that you're wasting is actually being working in your favor, that there are many people that wasted more time than your waiting time. 
More people have wasted their time than your waiting time. So you got to change your perspective about your isolation. Say, you know what? There's a reason for this singleness. And God is singling me out to, to prune me, to, so, to position me, so that I can have the right perspective for the right person. So what to do when you feel like, great question, feel like your isolation punishment. So you got to process the feelings and find the facts. Number one, why am I single? What are things that I that I know I need to still work on? So no matter what, in a, as a single person, there's always something to work on. There's always something to work on. So you always got to find the facts. So what you do is when you find those moments, what you do, you process it. You get a sheet of paper, Natasha. You write down what you're feeling. You write down the level of that feeling. So sometimes you'll feel it, but it's just a two. And sometimes you'll feel a feeling and it's a nine. So you got to write that. Sometimes we make twos into nines, but sometimes we could have we could have neutralized that feeling, that little light feeling with the word of God and got it out quick. But but the more you focus on that feeling, that feeling flourishes and what was a two becomes a 10. And now you overly overwhelmed with the feeling. And now what is the light affliction looks like you're being hit with a cat of nine tails and being put on a cross. <laughs> but when you really look at it, um, that's not really that bad. And so what most people do is they they allow feelings to flood to a high level, then the feelings cloud the facts that are actually going on. And then you then you will look back at it after you done made a dumb decision, be like, I really made a mountain out of a molehill. So write down what you're feeling, write down a level of that feeling, and then you write down the facts of those, the facts behind those feelings. And then you'll find those feelings subsiding. You'll be all right. Love y'all. I gotta go. Wife just walked in the door. I hear her walking. And so I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Uh, I finally found my card games. Excited. Uh, Memory Muscle is the first card game. Uh, Where's the first one? So this card game right here is a card game to help you memorize scripture. You can play it in groups. Um, how you First, uh, this is how you play. Um, what you do is you get a person. They show the card. And if the person uh, knows the scripture, let me see who knows that scripture. Romans 12, 18. Who knows that? Anyway, y'all got Google right there. So what happens is they'll, you'll, a person, the theologian will hold the card and there's two teams. And one person will say, hey, I know it. I know it. And that person quotes it. If that person quotes it correctly with that translation, they can quote it. The person will have their phone. They'll find the translation. And that person quotes it, that their team gets five points. But if nobody can quote the scripture for three points, you can use it. And so what it is, is that you'll be like, OK, Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Then that person will say, here's the scripture. They read the scripture. And they say, how would you use this scripture to encourage yourself when dealing with an annoying coworker? There you go. That's for someone who's talking about coworkers. How would you use it to encourage yourself when dealing with an old boy slash girlfriend that cheated on you? How would you use it to help a friend that is struggling with racism or church hurt? So basically, how would you use that scripture? Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. How would you live peaceably with an annoying coworker? How would you live peaceably with the old ex? How would you live peaceably with a, a, a help a friend live peaceably when they're dealing with a certain type of hurt? And then as a group, y'all discuss it. First discussion question is, why is it important to live peaceable with all people? Second question is, how much do we play in living peaceable with everyone? So it's a fun way of memorizing scripture. I think I have about 60 cards of helping you memorize scripture. You can do it by yourself. All you got to do is like flashcards. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So it's a good way to memorize scripture. And my other card game 
is Dating Prep. I finally found it. And it goes with this book, Dating Prep. And so this card game right here, I don't know if y'all can really see it. It's a dating card game. And there's three levels. Um, you have the cloud phase is when y'all just met. The cement phase is when the relationship is getting real, real. And the corporation phase is when you're getting engaged or already married. So this dating prep card right here says this. The cement question is this. What are some things that you're wrestling with God about? That's a good question to ask somebody at the cement phase. Because in the cloud phase, a person is cool. Everything's going good. But when they when it's real, real, and you really about to get married, there may be some things you're wrestling with God theologically or just about life. A corporation question for this card is, what church will we go to? Simple as that. That's a simple question. Y'all just got engaged. Y'all just about, y'all about to get married. That's a question. As, as, as we endeavor to build this corporation, what church will we go to? Another question. What are your thoughts on giving? What systems do we need to implement to ensure we grow spiritually? And another way to play is called Do You Remember? It's a double date question game, car, a way to play the game. It's basically the guys on one team, the girls on one team. And, and what happens is the question is, where did we first meet? If he gets it right, y'all get a point. If he gets it wrong, y'all don't get no point. But it's a fun way to play. It's called Dating Prep. All these card games are on my website, imunplugged.com. And the purpose of this book right here is all the questions to the card games are in here. So for one question, uh, where will we anchor our roots as a family? Roots are important to every tree, especially to a family tree. Roots, roots reach for support. Their goal is to reach for resources and to reach for rocks to help secure the tree's goal in bearing fruit. Where does your family reach to reach for support? Those supports can be in leisure, relaxation, spiritual support, etc. But there's questions to ask. What are the main things your relationship is rooted in now? What do you value most out of relationship or marriage? Are the values listed above still valued in a relationship? Yes or no? And y'all both can read this book together and, and go through together. And if you're a single person, these card games are important because it makes you think about uh, what to look for in a person. I got red flags in there. It's, it, it's just a great resource. So Dating Prep, the card game, is on my website as well. Dating Prep, the book, you and your boo, you and your husband, you and your wife. Y'all get the book and really date each other. Because dating, is, you got I got to date my wife. I got to get to know her because she's ever changed. She's ever so changed, and so am I. Other, car, other books, of course, The Purpose of Freedom, a book on spirit, uh, soul ties and stronghold. That book's available on my website. The Purpose of Singleness is the book everyone knows, and we'll be back on the course this Thursday. We're going to be talking about insecurities this Thursday, so get ready. I'm working on the work. Worksheet is done now. I'll upload everything tomorrow, but The Purpose of Singleness, Are You Whole or Full of Holes? Bestseller book, the one that's, that one I'm selling, one that's selling the most. Um, spiritual Warfare book, World War Me, How to Win the War Within. You're not going to be able to win the wars against you if you haven't war, won the war inside of you. Um... Of course, my first book I ever worked, worked, uh, wrote, Unplug, just simple things to unplug from in life. And my children's book, as he says, as is for the students I serve with cartoon characters in them, etc. All those resources are available for you. That's ways you can support. You can support what I do here by simply giving. You can support by getting material and you can support by getting me out. I would love to come serve you all. Um, I'm in a booking season now. So if you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'm here to help you. Um, go to my website. If you're looking for someone to speak at your conference or your event, I'm in that season now. But I got to go. I love y'all. Card games, ways to give, ways to get product, ways to get resources. 
um, the purposing on this course this Thursday, uh, one-on-one coaching, reach out to me. Um, um, and that's it. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Take care. See y'all next time. Peace.